Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Coffee with Council. I'm Brad Hull. I'm here with Kevin Hickey. Good morning. We're attorneys with Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Uh, today, we're going to talk about plea bargaining and really just some basic things you should know about it and uh, questions that come up quite a bit whenever we have a criminal case and get into plea bargaining, which inevitably happens. Um, I want to talk about that first, Kevin, but just to let everybody know, I did go to the red-white game, and I do have thoughts about Razorback basketball that I want to put on record before the season starts, so we'll finish with that. Okay. So plea bargaining is a term I think I think most people know what it means, but just in case you don't, this is the process of trying to resolve a criminal case by agreement with the prosecutors. And that can take a lot of different forms as we'll try we'll kind of get into that. But that's the general big picture view is you're working out a settlement of your case with the prosecutor. This this kind of surprised me, although probably shouldn't have. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you your guess first to see. Uh, I did some research on how many cases, percentage wise, uh, in be it plea bargaining for criminal cases. I'd say over ninety percent. So the estimates I found were at a minimum 90%. I saw none that were lower than that. Uh, Two sources that were easily found, one was a National Association of Criminal Defense Lawyers. They had done some study that said 97% are resolved via plea bargaining, and NPR had a a statistic that in federal court, 98%. And then I saw a number from a Duke article that said estimates are right at 90%. Well, I, I, off the top of my head, I almost said 95%, but I wanted to be a little more conservative. Um, I, I, I'm 95% to 97% is probably pretty accurate. Um, and I think a lot of that is, I mean, you and I have both been over the courthouse on days when they're doing arraignment day or something like that and see the dockets, there'll be a hundred people on there. And then we see how many jury trials end up happening, and it's not very many. So uh, that's, yeah, it doesn't surprise me the percentage is that high. And in fact, once I thought about it, saw the numbers, I honestly think that 98 is low. I think that if we had all the district and municipal courts factored into it, it would be a number over 99%. That's my guess. I, I could be wrong, but I just, I think more than more than uh, 99 out of 100 are getting settled. Uh, and it's exactly what you're talking about. If you go to a court, uh, like a, a, di- a district court, municipal, municipal court, on a criminal docket day, it is packed. And most of the time I go there, there are no trials happening. And most of those cases are getting resolved that day. So it's just so unusual that they end up there on those smaller misdemeanor traffic citations and things like that. They almost always are worked out. It is interesting to think about, and I made a note down here 
it was kind of a note just in case we run out of things to talk about on this, but you, you've already hit on it. Some people want to get rid of plea bargaining. They think it's coercive and problematic. And it is interesting to think about what would happen if you didn't have it, because there's just no way our system would stand up. I mean, it would just, they would have a serious issue if every single criminal defendant said, actually, no, we're all going to go to trial. They have far too many trials than they could handle. They would be forced to dismiss thousands of cases uh, because they just couldn't, they couldn't get them on a docket in time. And you have a speedy trial. By constitution, you have a right to a speedy trial. And that's a year. They can't get it within a year. Your case has to get dismissed. It's it's a fun thought process. It'll it'll never happen, but it is interesting to think about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever go away. Just for judicial economy, you know, you've got to kind of keep the wheels moving, and and there's crimes that uh, keep being committed. I mean, you know, crime is crime, and and that's people doing something against the law. So those are choices they're making, and then the legal system has to deal with it. So. Um, if those numbers are super, super high, then you've got to have some kind of system to administer justice, uh, balancing that with constitutional rights of defendants, but you've got to have something to keep those cases moving along so people aren't waiting years for their case to be finished. Well, and I, I personally found myself typically in that discussion on the side of, well, plea bargaining does serve a purpose sometimes. And, and there are cases where I think plea bargains make sense. It's a reasonable outcome for everybody involved and the process goes fine. There are definitely other cases I've been involved with where I felt like the plea bargaining was coercive. They were tacking on charges, holding things over the head of somebody who really had a pretty strong case, but they had to weigh the pros and cons of taking it to trial and make a reasonable decision of, I don't want to go to prison and I can avoid that by entering this plea even if I feel that I'm innocent. And that's where it gets kind of messy, but um, a lot of times plea bargaining is not quite as gross as it can be made out to be by certain people who want those reforms. Yeah, and, and that's what pushes plea bargains a lot of times is the you know the defendants looking at the amount of time they could potentially get that a jury could give them. Uh, it can be a big motivator. If you've got a, a serious felony or even a, mi a minor felony, um, there, there could be several years in prison up to decades in prison. And when that's hanging over your head, but then you've got an offer from the prosecutor for a very small amount of time, you know, you, you have to really seriously consider that, uh, because you could go to trial and lose, and then it's out of your hands. It's up to a jury and a judge to figure out what your sentence is going to be. And, by then, it's too late to take a deal. And the thing I would stress to anyone out there listening to this who is maybe involved in a case and has, you know, they've actually sought out information about plea bargaining, my guess is not much of our audience are going to fit into that category, but we can dream. Uh, if they are seeking out and they're listening for some of that advice, the thing I would, I would want to stress to them is that plea bargaining happens in every criminal case. And it is also a process in every case. It doesn't happen quickly. Um, you don't need to be offended or mad or too emotional about the first offer. Um, you don't need to panic about the first offer. You just got to go through the process. And there's really no harm in trying to get something done 
uh, you can always choose to go to trial at the end of it. it. It's worth seeing what you might be able to get through a plea bargain, even if you feel like I am totally innocent of this. That I, I won't. If you have a if you have a, a mentality of I'm innocent, and there's no way I'll take any deal. You, you're probably making a mistake, in my opinion. You should at least see what may be out there and what your options could be. Yeah, no, we always hear that phrase. Well, um, you know, if he wasn't guilty, he wouldn't be taking a plea bargain. Well, it happens every day, all day, in every city and every state in the country. And it's because, again, the defendant is risking so much more time uh, or so much worse of a penalty if they leave it up to a jury or a judge to to give them that punishment. They have a plea bargain that, and I never ask clients, are you happy with this? I ask if they're content with it. Can they, can they be okay with it? You know, as opposed to what the, the worst end could be. I mean, you know, uh, criminal cases are nothing to mess around with and you've got to be very, very careful. And you, you, you've really got to, you know, make sure you've got a really good case if you're going to roll the dice and, and go to a trial. Uh, this is something I'm stressing more and more to clients in all my cases, but it's it's right in the wheelhouse of that. Whether it's right or wrong that people are pleading guilty to crimes that they didn't do every day, that's not for, for me as your lawyer to get into necessarily. The moral aspects of it are gray and they're complicated and you can write a philosophy book on it. My job is to tell you what you should consider in the system that we're in. And if the system has its flaws, it has its flaws, but we've got to do our best within that system. And if you want to try to um, make a moral objection and go forward, you have that right. And we can try to do that, but don't hold it against me when my advice is telling you what to expect within the system we're working in. Well, and along those lines, we're, we're doing this every day and you're going to have all kinds of uh layperson lawyers, I guess I would call them, trying to give you advice, family and friends. And, oh, my cousin was over in this other county and he got nothing for that charge or they threw it out. It was dismissed. Every case is different. And and I can almost guarantee you there was a reason that that case happened one way and that your attorney is telling you to do your case your way. And if you've hired an attorney that does a lot of criminal work, that knows the prosecutors and the judges in that area and how they handle cases, they're going to be giving you good advice. If you've, if you've hired someone that's experienced and is reputable, you need to listen to them. And that's what you're paying them for. And that's what you've hired them for is their experience and what they know about the system and, and to try to, to do a good job for you. Motorcycle riders of America say, give me the hogs, Chuck. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, shout out my own TikTok here at The Real Lawyer. I did a, a, a TikTok the other day where it's the scene from uh, I think it's Ted Lasso and she's saying obviously we don't condone this and he's saying go live your life, do your thing and it was uh, the the uh, us the lawyer saying we don't condone this, don't do this and then it was 
uh, our clients, family, and friends saying, live your life, do what you, that's the layperson lawyer you're talking about. One quick th last thing on this uh, that I want to cover is just keep in mind that even though 97% are ending in pleas, they're not all guilty pleas. There are three types of pleas, no contest, guilty, not guilty. Uh, those are your three typical pleas. There are actually a few others that I don't want to even start to get into, but those are your three typical pleas. And uh, no contest is kind of like a guilty plea, but it's not really. It's more of a uh, a plea that I know there's enough evidence there that, that maybe I could be convicted, um, but you're not actually admitting guilt. And then, of course, not guilty and guilty are pretty straightforward on what they mean. And you can also have... Um, pleas that are taken under advisement or deferred or reserved. And what that basically means is you get put on sort of a probationary period. And once that time expires, whether it be three months, a year, whatever, the case is then dismissed. And when it's dismissed, it's as if it was dismissed by acquittal. It's it's a full dismissal. There's no conviction on your record or, or any other type of plea. Many times you have options on the type of plea you can enter and no contest is a good good option a lot of times but you need to talk to your attorney sometimes the prosecutors on certain crimes they won't let you take a no, a no contest plea but ask them what your options are ask if you can have it taken under advisement because sometimes you can have a, a a plea and it's taken under advisement for six months or a year and then it's completely dismissed in, and not on your record or it shows that it was dismissed that's not all the time, but ask about those options and see if that's something because that you can do because that's something that's really helpful. Representing yourself in a criminal case and you're talking to the prosecutor about a deal, the, the thing you are most likely not asking when you should be is, is, can I get this taken under advisement or deferred? Because prosecutors are way more open to it than you'd probably expect, and it does ultimately end in a dismissal. Uh, okay, that's all I wanted to cover on plea bargaining, so... We've got a little longer than I expected. We'll, we'll try to keep it short on Razorback basketball. I was very, very excited watching this team at the red-white game. And the guy who got me more excited than anybody else, based mainly on how much better he was than I expected, was Joseph Pinion. I had heard some murmurs that he was taking a big leap. But honestly, I, I thought maybe that means he gets in the rotation. Kevin, I'm telling you, if you had told me going into this game, and I knew nothing about this team, if you had just said, hey, watch this number five, he's the best player on our team, I would have left there in full agreement. Uh, he walked around like an alpha. He had 17 points in the first half, and he was on a team with Devo and Jayla Graham, and they won by 20. Um, he just he looked every bit of a guy who's ready to go average double figures easy. Uh, attacking the basket some in a way I didn't expect him to do. He put on probably 10 pounds, filled out, uh, had two big dunks, he's sneaky athletic, very, very impressed. And he still shot the ball well, he made. Well, I was I was going to say, my favorite players through the years, I think even back to when I was a kid, are the shooters, the the long-range shooters. And and when Pinion came along, I thought, oh, if we could get a, like a dead-eye long-range shooter, that would be fantastic. So... I'm glad to hear that because I was beginning to wonder if he was going to going to make enough strides to get into the get into the rotation. Won't be shocked if he's not in the rotation. And in fact, 
I'll be pretty surprised if he's not a starter, at least by conference play. And he may start season as a starter. From what you could tell, was that is that kind of does that seem to still be Mus's plan with him is to be more of a shooter? Let's let's screen and get him open or or is he doing everything? Oh, well, I mean, he definitely is gonna be a shooter. We have way more shooters too. And I that one of my three points is shooting will be much better. Uh he's not the only shooter. That's a good thing. This Davenport uh, transfer. He hit five threes in the first half. He's kind of streaky, but he can get going. Um, I think that everyone has probably worked on their shooting. I saw Jalen Graham make a three, which was pretty impressive. Makai Mitchell made a three, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I don't know that they're going to shoot threes in, in real games, but uh, they've got Davenport. They've got LLS. Battle didn't play, but he's a shooter. And you've got Pinion and then Debo. He, he seems to still be shooting it well. He, he made his threes. So I think they have at least three or four consistent shooters. Brazil shot the ball well from three last year when he was in. So they may have as many as four or five shooters that they can put out there. Uh, so I guess answer your question, yes, he's going to be treated like a shooter. But because he may not be the only shooter out there, we, we don't necessarily have to just be constantly running him off screens and everything to get him open. But the thing I saw him do was attack the basket a little bit. One time he had, he got the ball with, uh, I think it was Ellis on him. Ellis is, is, no, Ellis was on his team, so it wouldn't have been him. Um, Minifield, the guy was not going to get to play, but he's a smaller guy, smaller guard, and he like hosted him up. He backed him down and went and got a bucket. Uh, that was very encouraging, I think, seeing yeah. him be aggressively do that. So I'm hoping it's not just a thing where he's comfortable with his team and that transitions into real games because he just looked, Really, really good. Uh, Shock Bay, how much he seemed to be improved. There are whispers that this may be Mus's deepest, best team, at least on paper. Yeah, but they're very deep at guard. They don't have a true point guard, really, because the guy that they have is not able to play. Uh, that's going to be a bit of a question mark. They have depth inside, but I don't know who all is going to be playing. That's got to shake out. That was my biggest question mark was I don't know what that rotation will look like. Jalen Graham looked really pretty good too, uh, but we all know he can be explosive at times, so I'm not reading too much into that as much as I want to get really excited about him. Anybody who followed me on Facebook knows that I was absolutely begging for him to get more playing time last year, but I'm not going to get too excited over that, but he he dominated the second half. Um, but Graham, will, I think he will play a lot. Mitchell's probably going to play. Brazil's probably going to play. The freshman Bay Fall doesn't look quite ready, but he's 6'11", and he's an All-American, so I expect he is going to get to play. But then you got two or three other guys who are bigger transfers. One of them's really a big muscled-up grad transfer, uh, Harris and I think they're going to want to play, and they may make a push for it. So I don't know how that one will shake out. I could see that being a situation where throughout the year, if you don't hold up your end, there's guys just wanting that spot. And I'm reminded of the year Trey Wade and Kamani didn't play hardly any until conference play. And then the guys who were in weren't doing their job. Next thing you know, they came in and saved our season and became big-time rotation guys. Wouldn't shock me if something like that happens this year. But they look they look great and they look mature, uh, huskier than teams in the past. All of which and better shooters, all of which are very good signs for us. 
Well, I'm, I've been excited about that team this year, and I can't remember what happened last Saturday, but after last Saturday, I got even more excited and ready for basketball. Well, you might as well. We'll end on this then. I, I just told you this the other day, but I'll end on my, my new rules for enjoying football season as a Razorback basketball fan. Uh, you got to come to peace with it from day one that we're probably a six-win team, and how we get there, who knows? We may win our first three and our last three and lose everyone in the middle. We, who knows? But somehow we're going to get to six, and it'll be kind of fun to see how we get there. And if we happen to get more, then great. Everything's awesome. We can be excited about uh, exceeding expectations. And if we happen to get to that point in the season where we've now lost seven games and it's no longer possible to get to six wins, well, basketball season started. So I think that's a good. Uh, I think that's a good system. You're gonna you have to near as let down. I promise you. Because if you're searching for that nine and ten win season as a Razorback fan, you are not gonna be happy. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, everybody, have a good day. Hey. Uh, yep. Have a good morning and day, and go Hogs. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.